on. I'm on You're listening to Ithaca Now, WICB's weekly news program focused on stories in the Ithaca community. I'm your host, Jay Bradley, and thanks for joining us. Tonight, a mini-episode to lead us into the fall season. We're talking to New York Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, getting updates from the state and how what we see now can affect the near future. We have to keep staying the course. I mean, there's no time for complacency. We cannot risk going backwards. We've seen other states where people have violated all the protocols asked for by government, and they are now shutting down businesses. They're closing up gyms. They're closing up the restaurants. And that's the last thing we want to see happen in our state. We want to keep moving in a forward direction. But up first, let's hear what's going on in the Ithaca area with our community beat. This Thursday, the CFCU Summer Concert Series is featuring the Gun Poets. While the concert series is typically held in the Commons, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the positivity-focused hip-hop band will be shown virtually on the Downtown Ithaca Facebook page this Thursday, September 10th at 6 p.m. Casinos have been announced to be reopening in New York starting September 9th after having been closed since March 16th. The maximum capacity of the casinos will be set at 25% and some slot machines will be closed to ensure social distancing. Table games are not yet approved, but casinos can seek approval once physical barriers can be installed between guests. This reopening applies to racetrack casinos as well. For Labor Day coming up on Monday, the city of Ithaca will have all facilities be closed, garbage pickup will occur one day later next week, and TCAT will be operating in reduced service. Routes 10 and 11, 13 and 13S, 31 and 32, 36 and 37, 41, 52 and 53, 65, 81 and 82, and 84 will not be operating. More details can be found on TCAT's website. The 4-H duck race hosted by the Cornell Cooperative Extension is still on for this year, happening next Sunday, September 13th at noon, digitally. One duck chance is $5 and five for $20 to benefit 4-H youth programs in Tompkins. Ducks that are top finishers will win prizes by local businesses and individuals. More details can be found at 4hduckrace.com. Cornell University has officially been put on its yellow alert level. These levels include green, yellow, orange, and red. Red would imply a shutdown campus. This follows an increase in positive COVID tests among its students over this past week as two clusters of cases were found among connected students. All student gatherings are being limited to 10 people as long as the yellow alert level remains. As of Saturday, here in Tompkins County, there are currently 82 reported active cases of COVID-19. No county residents have died from the disease and 163 test results are pending from the county. 48 positive cases were found on the Cornell campus just last week between Monday the 28th and Friday the 3rd. Two active cases of off-campus Ithaca College students were also found. For WICB News, I'm Jess Moskowitz. And I'm Kyle DeSantis. A few months ago, we spoke to New York State Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul on recent updates for the state following the pause and related closures. 
Now, as things reopen and we see other states and countries continue to struggle, we spoke again. Hi, Jay. How are you? Hello. Thank you for taking the time with, to speak with us again. No problem at all. So, I guess, to start, just in a general sense, what would you say is the status of New York, you know, as we speak right now? We are in a very good position today, and that's a qualified answer because we know that this could change literally overnight. But right now, we've had 26 straight days where our positive rate is below 1%, which when you think about the fact that we had the highest infection rate in the entire country, now we are among the very lowest. It's just quite extraordinary. And that is something that New Yorkers made happen, and people, because they listened to their state government, uh, Governor Cuomo and myself and others, on what we needed to do to drive that rate down, to flatten the curve, to uh, get to a much lower rate of infection and hospitalization. And that's why we've been successful. You know, we continue to do a lot of testing. We had nearly 90,000 tests done just yesterday. And uh, you know, we're, we're still monitoring those numbers very closely. We've had some hot spots in areas, uh, particularly where some of the uh, students are coming back to college. So we're concerned about that. But I'd say right now, overall, we're in a very good place but knowing that it's very tenuous. And that's why as we head into Labor Day weekend and students are coming back and families may be gathering and students uh, K through 12 will be starting up again and the flu season starting and the virus may be coming back from Europe because it's starting there again. We've got a lot of uh, pressure points on the system and we don't want to have a perfect storm where this comes back again. We'd like to maintain these numbers because there's a lot of sacrifice that got us here. And, of course, that includes things like the um, the travel ban list of states. Well, not ban, but uh, the quarantine list of states and that sort of thing, right? Absolutely, and that's what we are concerned about. We work so hard as New Yorkers. Again, a great personal cost to families and people. Many of them lost their jobs or their businesses have been shuttered and barely reopened again. And just a lot of this going on. And we start seeing we sacrificed and drove the numbers down. But other states, you know, Florida and Texas, Georgia, Arizona, others one just other ones just a few months ago, they weren't even wearing masks. They weren't you know closing businesses. They weren't discouraging gatherings early on as we were. And therefore, their infection rate went through the roof. And when people travel from those states to New York, they could be bringing the virus and setting us back. So that's why we had to institute this quarantine on states where they have a a seven-day average of a a positivity rate of over 10%. And there's still quite a few states, over 30 states that are still on that list. We hope that they can be successful and drive down their numbers. You'll want to continue being welcoming to people, but we're not going to reverse all the hard-fought gains that we've won and because we are having people come from other states with the virus where they, they didn't adhere to the same, you know, same strict requirements that we have. And so with the recent news about, you know, SUNY Oneana, a lot of people are looking at colleges, universities, and K-12, through too, uh, a bit nervously. What would you say is the state's outlook for the school year? Do you think there will be more shutdowns like in Oneana, especially considering like uh, in Ithaca where our station airs, uh, we have such a big player in Cornell University being right there? Well, with Cornell, Ithaca College, uh, you know, Tompkins, uh, Cortland Community College, yes, I mean, there's a lot of students coming. Some of them may be local, but certainly Others have come from other states, and have they really properly quarantined? Do they really stay isolated for 14 days? 
or do they violate that? And that's one thing we don't know is, you know, we, we welcome students back, but we had hoped that they would quarantine. And now we have students gathering and socializing, and that's exactly what we saw in the case of Oneonta. So I would say the answer is yes, we are very anxious about this period. And it all comes down to whether or not students are going to be responsible. And if they see the outcome is that, yes, we finally got back to campus. We're happy to see our friends. We can't wait to hang out with everybody. We've been away from everyone since last spring. And as a result of that, and you're not wearing your masks and you're in larger gatherings, you are the reason that your school is shut down. And, and in some cases, maybe you're sent home because it was you're the one that hosted the party. I don't think that's an outcome any student wants to have. I mean, there's a desire to get back on campus, start the learning process again, but we're still in a pandemic. And that's something that cannot be overlooked, that we've not beaten this pandemic back. The virus is still very prevalent and it doesn't take much for it to spread. And we've seen that on the college campuses. So that's really a strong cautionary tale that you know, do you really want to be uh, locked in your dorm room, not able to come out at all because it all has to be distant learning? Or in the worst case scenario, a campus literally just shuts down and says, uh, you're heading back home. And I don't think any student wants to go back home after being home with perhaps their parents the entire time. Uh, so let's let's just look at that reality. Look at your own self-interest. Do you really want to be that isolated as a result of refusing to wear a mask or to get it, you know, together in large gatherings? Certainly hang out with your friends in small groups, uh, socially distant. That's all doable, but it's the large gatherings that we're seeing are responsible for spikes. And it's not just Oneonta, we're seeing that all over the state. And we have a, a standard that if a college campus has over 100 positive cases or 5% of their population test positive, they are no longer allowed to do uh, in-person learning for two weeks. And that's that's pretty strict and no one wants to have that outcome, but that is actually hopefully the, the threat that's out there that people know that, well, we better be smart about this or else we'll end up uh, in a different situation than we want it to be in. And what about K through 12? What kind of strategies is the state looking at to kind of, you know, take care of its kids uh, as a lot of these schools are facing budget shortfalls, not only uh, from the state aid, but also like on the local level too. Yeah, that's a very real concern. We've been talking about this literally since schools shut down in March. We knew that there would become a day when they need to reopen. And I don't think a lot of people thought that the virus would still be so prevalent among us and, and all over the country uh, six months later, but it is. We put out very strict uh, requirements and protocols for schools back in July. I think 144 pages of requirements for you know, disinfecting and making sure there's social distancing and wearing, wearing masks and gave it to the 700 school districts across the state to have them customize a program that works for them and, and they have to engage their parents and their teachers in conversations. And depending on whether or not you're a very densely populated urban area, a more rural area where you have more space, maybe you have more buildings instead of just one, or you can spread students out, maybe there's some outdoor activity, that we left it up to the schools to determine how they can do this meeting our standards. So that's what we're facing in a couple of days. Literally, schools will start reopening. Some have decided to go distance learning for the first uh, month and a half or 10, you know, 10 weeks or so. So we recognize that that's a, that some schools will be not even in person for a while. And others have a hybrid situation where the students will be home certain days of the week and in classrooms, others, so they can literally cut the size of the classes in half by having partial, uh, partial distant learning. So a lot of options out there. There's not one size fits all. 
but we've put out strict standards, but I will tell you, we, we fully expect there to be positive cases. And that's probably not avoidable. The question is, can we identify them early? Can we get uh, the testing done as soon as possible? I know Tompkins County has offered free testing to anyone who wants it. I congratulate them for that. They're making that widely available. They want people being tested. So we test people if they are positive, we can start the contact tracing, which means we're talking to everybody you've been in contact with, you, you know, family, friends, any place you socialize. If you went out to a restaurant, if you went to a store, we need to notify people so we can also identify whether or not they're positive. And that's how we create this whole web here where we can identify within this fear who's been positive, who's been affected, and, and really get them to quarantine and, and take precautions so we don't spread it any further. That's the whole strategy between behind containing this virus. Mm -hmm. And obviously another big focus for New York State is combating, you know, our other epidemic, opioid and heroin addiction. What has the state seen on this issue throughout the shutdown? And what changes have been made in handling that crisis on top of the COVID crisis? I think uh, it, it has been catastrophic, without a doubt. I think the isolation people experience and for people who are receiving medication-assisted treatment early on, there was a, you know, people were very fearful of going into any medical facilities or any place that they would have gone for their treatment. And that's, um, so people's cases, the cases spiked. There have been a high number of overdoses. It's It's very disturbing to all of us. So what we did was we, allowed there to be telemedicine that people can get a, a refill on their medication without having to show up in a doctor's office or in a provider's office and i think that's helped a lot of people but we've also had a hotline in place uh, since the very beginning knowing that people you know need to call and you know it's a, an emotional support mental health hotline that i'm going to give you the number we need people to be calling this if they're they're at wit's end and they can't take this anymore it's a uh, one Eight four four eight six three nine three one four. We have great professionals ready to talk to people about what they're going through. But the you know people suffering from addiction, it's it's been really very hard on them, and we're trying to keep the services available to them. And the providers are doing an exceptional job identifying who the most vulnerable are and trying to help them get through this. It's been really tough on them, particularly. And one more question: uh, a lot of the Democratic campaign. Um, just nationwide going into this election in the fall seems to be revolving around the concept of building back better. So what could this concept mean for New York State? You know, it's really taking a difficult, challenging situation and trying to find the positive that comes out of it. And I, like I just mentioned, the telemedicine, that was something that insurance companies didn't cover before. They would have made someone who needs medication-assisted treatment sometimes travel an hour one way to go to a place where they can get uh, the medicine they need to keep them, uh, help them battle their addiction. Or other people who have diabetes or heart problems and traveling, you know, they may not be able to take the time off to be able to go in and see a doctor. Because of the virus, this is an area where we can build back better and make medicine more readily available for people. I think there'll be better health outcomes as a result. Even uh, teleworking, the whole idea of working remotely, this has been a, a an experiment that I believe has turned out to be much more successful than employers anticipated, that in many cases they've demonstrated that productivity is actually higher than it was before. 
when people are coming in offices. I think when people don't have to commute or get ready for work every day and show up in an office, they're using that time to continue being productive and in their place of employment. So I think that's another way we can think about building back a, a strong workforce and giving families more flexibility, especially families with children. That if uh, you know, typically the mom is the one taking care of the kids, if they can have more flexibility in their hours and work through the evening instead of having to work nine to five. I think that's another area where there's more flexibility. The idea of distance learning, um, not that anyone wants to be outside a classroom, but you can engage with, you know, through technology, other sources of education to bring into you know your, your students' experience from all over the globe. I mean, more programming now that we have more accessibility to students having computers and laptops and and uh, internet because we knew that this was a shortcoming it was really there was a digital divide in many communities and we're trying to overcome that through this pandemic so we're talking about how we rethink our workplace jobs for people you know building back better careers and jobs for people and unfortunately there'll be many jobs that don't come back as a result of the pandemic where companies are downsizing and using technology. I was at a restaurant uh, in Ithaca the other day and ordered food off of uh, an iPad instead of talking to a server. And I think that's going to be the norm. I'm a former waitress. I I feel like many waitresses will not be having as many job opportunities as they had before. But then what do we do with those individuals? How can we get them into uh, training programs and jobs that are going to be there in healthcare, technology, uh, there's a lot of booming fields, energy, a lot of fields we're trying to get people to go into. So I think there's an opportunity to rethink our state's economy and build on the strengths that we have and to look at some of the weaknesses and, and work to overcome them. Okay. And so before you go, um, what words of encouragement do you have to you, your fellow New Yorkers, um, me sitting in Binghamton right now, our listeners sitting in Ithaca, Tompkins County, as you know, this continues into the foreseeable future. We have to keep staying the course. I mean, there's no time for complacency. We cannot risk going backwards. We've seen other states where people have violated all the protocols asked for by government, and they are now shutting down businesses. They're closing up gyms. They're closing up the restaurants. And that's the last thing we want to see happen in our state. We want to keep moving in a forward direction, not slide backward. And it all comes down to people's individual responsibility. Keep wearing the mask. Don't be out in crowds. You know, stay smart with your family and friends, and let's get through this together. We have no other option. We have to just uh, see this all the way through, and until there's a vaccination, we won't feel secure otherwise. So I just ask everyone to keep wearing the mask, even something as simple as that can really make a world of difference. All right, Ms. Holchul, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk. All right, thank you very much. And that's all for this edition of Ithaca Now. You can listen to all of our stories on WICB.org, and if you'd like to listen to past shows, follow WICB on SoundCloud, and subscribe to Ithaca Now on your favorite podcast app. Also, subscribe to The Latest to hear our daily newscast every weekday wherever you listen to podcasts. For both, just search WICB News Presents. For more updates throughout the week, follow WICB News on social media. The show wouldn't happen without the support from manager of television radio operations Jeremy Menard, WICB station manager Sam Ives, programming director Lou Barron, and all of our correspondents. Thank you. All the music from our show's intro and outro comes from Dr. Dundiff of Louisville, Kentucky. 
Have any feedback, story ideas, just want to say hi, feel free to reach out by emailing news at WICB.org. We'll be back next week with a full episode of Ifka Now, 7 p.m. next Sunday. I'm Jay Bradley, and thank you for listening to Ithaca Now on WICB.